Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Understory podcast. Understory is a global community of entrepreneurs and companies that are trying to make our world more sustainable. Today, we're really excited to have Marcelo Lando, who is the CEO and founder of Eternal Eternum Energy, to join us here on the podcast. Marcelo, welcome. Thank you, JJ. It's a pleasure to be here today and wonderful to be speaking to an audience of entrepreneurs. Yeah. And um, I I know that you're a serial entrepreneur, have uh, amazing experience. Uh, maybe just to start off, tell us a little bit more about your background and your journey before we dive into the work that you're focusing on now. Wonderful. So I think that the main, my main interest is for businesses that help solve some kind of social challenge. So I began my adult career and got very much interested in microfinance. And after an internship at the Grameen Bank in Bangladesh, then with other exceptional entrepreneurs in Argentina, uh, we co-founded a microfinance organization. We, we grew an existing microfinance project into a microfinance organization. Uh, that company was later acquired by a Peruvian uh, bank. And after that, uh, and after spending some time in social impact investment at, a, at an Argentine company where I'm originally from, I decided to move over to the US where you know, we JJ had the pleasure of meeting in the University of Chicago. And while I was in Chicago, uh, I became extremely interested in renewable energy as a way to solve some of the worst consequences of climate change. Uh, I took a subject in geophysical sciences, which was probably the most difficult subject in the whole of my MBA career. And after that, without prior energy experience, I joined a fantastic global power company called AES. And almost six months after joining that company, I moved into a joint venture that was created around 2010 to grow solar energy globally. So we very quickly, we were well-funded and we very quickly scaled solar, mainly in, in Europe initially, afterwards in the US and in other locations until the company was sold in 2015. And with a former colleague, uh, I came back to Argentina, a former colleague and a wonderful individual and friend uh, from Spain. And we created in Argentina, a company to develop solar energy assets in a market that was only beginning. That's a fantastic summary of your background. And I think it's fair to say that you you were definitely ahead of the curve, uh, much, much more ahead of the curve when you were already thinking about renewable energy. This was 10 plus years ago uh, when climate tech and a lot of the topics were not um, as necessarily embraced as it is today in the business world. So we're talking to an expert here today, and uh, I'm sure we have a lot to talk about. Hopefully that doesn't mean that I'm very old, JJ. No, 
No. Okay. Um, so let's let's talk about uh, renewable energy, and and then yeah. we talk about solar. Solar. So a lot of uh, the topics around solar that we've been talking about here on Understory has predominantly focused on the U.S. Uh, in part because we're based in the U.S. and and uh, that's you know a lot of the knowledge that people have. But let's talk about what's happening in climate tech and renewable energy in LATAM. And I can't think of a better person to give us that perspective than you. Well, wonderful. And I think it's very interesting to focus on what are the differences of uh, developing renewable energy uh, projects in Argentina and climate tech in Argentina and the rest of LATAM. Uh, and I would say that there are three very important differences. The first is the timing of when the market began in each individual country and, and region. Uh, you know, about 2008 and 2010, you know, in Western Europe, there was a huge growth because of renewable energy incentives that provided probably around 7x subsidy into the renewable energy price uh, of the market. And that was a great incentive for companies such as ours in, in at that time to grow in Spain, in France, in Italy, Bulgaria, Greece. Uh, so we did all those countries at that time. But then investors began to get a little bit worried that the subsidy of these renewable energy projects was too large and it was a you know very understandable uh, preoccupation that investors had so at that time there was kind of a bust in uh, europe for renewable energy but the market continued to grow in the us so focus for development of assets you know we had thousands of professionals from europe moving to the us to develop renewable energy in the us and this was around 2010 uh, and 2012 sorry uh, that was relatively when the market in europe began to be very soft uh, then latin america you know did not pick up in renewable energy until around 2015, 2016, with some exceptions, notably Uruguay and Chile. So the great benefit of that is that Latin America is entering into a very fast growth curve when costs of in installations are only a fraction of what they were 10, 10 years ago. Uh, basically in the last 12 years, costs have gone down between 85 and 90%. So this is a very important incentive for markets that had not yet developed renewable energy and are doing so now. Um, I would say that the second very important difference is that because it's a relatively new market, regulation is uh, not uh, adapted to renewable energy. Uh, most of the changes in regulation, you know, the modern changes in regulation have happened in Europe, you know, and in the US. Still in Latin America, with some minor exceptions, you know, regulation 
is for an old economy. And it's very important, you know, that regulators have the ability to modernize, you know, the, 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 the regulatory frameworks. Um, and that is slowly happening. And I would say that the third difference is political and macroeconomic uh, instability uh, in some countries in Latin America or in all countries of Latin America compared to the US and Europe. Not that the US and Europe do not have their own turmoils, of course, but in Latin America, this has a much bigger impact into the financing of projects. And financing is such a key driver in renewable energy assets because you have to invest all the money upfront. So you need to finance around 70% or 80% of your asset with debt. And if the interest rate goes from say eight to 15, then that automatically you know, eliminates projects. That's such a helpful overview. And uh, I, I think pointing out these three key differences uh, and put it in relative terms of how it impact renewable energy opportunities in Latam, um, it's, it's incredibly helpful. Uh, Marcelo, talk about emerging opportunity using Latam uh, with the backdrop of the, the key differences that you've seen and having worked uh, in, in all these areas and all these geographies? Yeah, I, I would say that um, probably one of the most clear emerging opportunities in Latin America is smaller scale renewable energy projects. And these are not residential projects as those, for example, that typically in the US are done by Sunrun or you know Tesla into residential customers. Mm -hmm. But these are mostly what we call commercial and industrial projects. These are on-site generation for commercial and industrial facilities in order to uh, cut part of the costs of the utility bill. And you know, traditionally in Europe and in the US, which are the reference markets by large, um, commercial and industrial, this specific segment did not typically happen until there was about three, four, five years of huge growth in utility scale projects, which are these very large interconnected projects to the grid. Um, what we've seen is that thanks to technology and reduction in costs, the commercial and industrial market, this particular segment, is not waiting for the utility segment to be already mature and is growing very fast in parallel with utility scale. And there are still not many players in that, uh, in, in, in that space. So I definitely think that there will be a lot of activity in the commercial and industrial segment in Latin America. Got it. And you mentioned about financing. So today for the, the opportunities that you see, um, how, how is the financing done? I, you know, maybe give our audience a little bit of color. Um, is it through commercial banks? Is it through special loan arrangement? Uh, is it similar or different than uh, how it's been done in, in Europe or in the US? 
Well, that's a great question, JJ, because in every market is very different. And let me put two very extreme cases. In Colombia, it is done by local banks that provide around 70, 80% of the cost of utility scale projects. And in the case of commercial and industrial projects, sometimes up to 100%. So without any upfront money, uh, companies are able to have an on-site generation and save from day one. Uh, that's the mo what, what we see is the most attractive currently market in Latin America. And maybe on the other extreme, and talking about turmoils, uh, in Argentina, which has grown fantastically well in the past few years in renewable energy, the projects are done full equity because in the current political and macroeconomic turmoil, there is absolutely no financing for long-term projects. So the, just to give an example to the audience, you know, you cannot get a mortgage in Argentina to buy a house. There is absolutely zero long-term loans. So companies, even though they don't have the possibility of financing projects, many of them are still carrying, you know, uh, continuing along with development and providing 100% full equity upfront and thinking of doing a refinancing and a takeout of that portion of the investment in later years, maybe two or three years after achieving operations. Got it. Yeah, very interesting. And as you say, very different. So uh, let's say that, you know, I'm a CEO of a US-based company looking to enter the renewable energy and climate tax space in Latin America. What are some of the recommendations that you will provide to, to my company? I think that um, the most important advice that I would be able to give to somebody looking to enter Latin America um, from abroad is to look for a trusted local partner that can provide aligned incentives into the long-term success of the business. I think that is critical. But I think it's not only critical, but it also provides a competitive advantage with regards to others, because typically, you know, US and European companies, and I would say companies from other markets as well, but, you know, there are some fantastic, you know, ventures in Europe and, and the US, uh, they have typically advanced technology that coupled with the local expertise of a local company that does not have that uh, advanced technology and know-how are two very powerful ingredients to grow very fast. And think about kind of from the investor side, uh, there's been huge waves of climate tech investors uh, funding from some of the wealthiest individuals to uh, large organizations, what can they do more in Latin America just given the opportunity and where the cycle, the, the business cycle is? Um, what, what's your view? I think um, we've got two factors here. One is that 
there's so many opportunities as well in the developed world with this accelerated transition to low carbon economy that I see that many companies are too busy chasing opportunities elsewhere. Um, but that, on the other hand, provides you know, additional opportunities to those that say, look, the market in the US or in Europe is so crowded and returns mm -hmm. are typically so low that I will go and seek, you know, some opportunities in Latin America, you know, that might provide me an edge into, you know, long-term growth. Yeah. And then in terms of uh, kind of moving to kind of the, th the third group of stakeholders, uh, the policymakers at the World Bank or other similar international development organizations, what policies would you push in LATAM to make sure entrepreneurs can grow the renewable energy and the climate tech industries in, in, in the local economies or the regional economies? Hmm. Um, I think that uh, given that Latin America is still in a very emerging phase of renewable energy penetration, I think that the wisest move that international development organizations such as the World Bank or others could do in Latin America is provide loan guarantees to renewable energy assets. Because if you think about providing loan guarantees in one individual country, that in Latin America, that is of course very risky. You know, that's one of the reasons why other than doing business in Argentina, we are also doing business in Colombia because we need to diversify country risk because from one moment to the other, you know, valuations can change dramatically. So, but if you think on providing loan guarantees to different Latin American countries all at the same time, you're basically de-risking your portfolio on something that it's very clear how the world is all going in that direction. Um, and those that do not see that very clear change are, I think, are mostly, you know, policymakers uh, in some countries that still are significantly influenced by, let's say, the old economy. Uh, not just you know the oil and gas sector, but in general, you know the, the, the old economy. And if the World Bank and others would put together a fund to provide a loan guarantee, of course, something that is market priced, uh, but they have a, a very special ability to enforce obligations on Latin America and quite frankly on any country around the world. So I think that will be a very smart move from international organizations. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, for the audience we have that uh, are not in finance, um, just briefly explain what is a loan guarantee? Yeah. So typically if you are say um, a project developer in Colombia or in Argentina, then you go to the bank and the bank would say, look, I would provide funding for 70% of the project. That is not currently happening in Argentina, but 
it, it did happen in the frame between 2015 and 2017 that um, local banks provided long-term loans to uh, to project developers but if there's a loan guarantee by the world bank that is backing that project and the project is paying for that loan guarantee the bank would feel much more comfortable in providing funding because they know that at least they would get a significant portion of their money back worst case scenario if the project does not pay and of course if they need to take over the keys of the project and you know take over the equity so that provides a relatively stable long-term view on financing costs which for grow or for growth of renewable energy projects is completely critical yeah and i think another thing that you essentially talking about here marcelo is that um, you know, at least from the outset, there are some standard way of financing these large infrastructure projects in the renewable energy and climate tech space. Uh, but much more is desired, you know, to be desired in terms of finding uh, more innovative models uh, in, in financing to address, to help address some of the challenges, but also capture some of the opportunities in, in the emerging markets. Absolutely. I think that everybody would make a, a, a very good business if that would actually happen. Yeah. And um, so maybe we step back uh, before I ask you more questions about LATAM. Um, you know, just talking about renewable energy itself, um, you know, as you mentioned in your introduction, you took a class outside of business school and uh, to, to learn more about uh, renewable energy and how it actually worked in theory and perhaps in practice, what advice would you give to uh, people in school or even professionals who are looking to get into renewable energy, climate tech? You know, is it too late? What sort of skills do you need to have? What sort of education? Um, what, what are the pathways people to, to shift into uh, this area? You know, the best advice that I could give to anybody that is interested in working in a company that has a meaningful and powerful mission is to seek for an entrepreneur that they admire and try to get to work in that company. That's great advice. As simple as that. And for those to learn from the entrepreneur to, to see kind of that external innovation working magic internally. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that would be, and, and I believe that there have already been some, you know, blockbuster successes, but we are still in a very, very nascent industry of climate tech. Renewable energy is now more mature, but there's so much more room to grow. As I mentioned before, you know, the commercial and industrial segment in Latin America is almost untapped. So there are so many opportunities in renewable energy and emerging opportunities in climate tech that I think there's room for everybody. And I think, you know, at least in my personal experience, you know, since 2010 that I've been working in renewable energy, you know, I, I love what I do, you know, challenges have a different flavor if you are doing what you like and you are generally 
you know, and typically even more creative to overcome these if you are very passionate about that. Right. I totally agree with you uh, on that. So in, in terms of the, the innovation ecosystem or, um, you know, entrepreneurship in renewable energy and climate tech in LATAM, how would you kind of characterize that ecosystem? I mean, obviously you're, you're one key player in that, but, you know, how, how, how is the startup ecosystem or innovation ecosystem? And um, if you had to pick one founder uh, that you admire, uh, who would that be? Um, I think that still in renewable energy, the market is um, too young in order to uh, pick, you know, individual um, entrepreneurs. So that speaks about the enormous opportunities that we have in in Latin America. Uh, and, you know, particularly in the case of our company, you know, we are not doing nothing that is too different to what, you know, I did in the company that I worked for, you know, in between 2011 and, you know, 2015. We are basically doing plain vanilla, you know, solar utility scale projects mainly. We do some other work as well. You know, we look into invest in some companies that we admire. But our core business is not too innovative. It's basically applying lessons from more mature markets to local markets here in, in, in Latin America. So, but, you know, thinking about, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, that somebody could, you know, begin to look at and, and see what they have built. I think that um, one person that I definitely admire a lot with has not been in the climate tech space yet, but has been in the tech space is Marcos Galperin. And he is the um, co-founder and CEO of Mercado Libre, which is, uh, it was at one point the largest um, company in Latin America by market cap. And I think that he did everything, you know, well on to diversifying in different markets, you know, uh, very quick and fast growth. And he is a very, very humble person, despite, you know, the enormous change and, you know, the enormous opportunities that he brought to many entrepreneurs that are now able to sell their products and services online and before they did not have any access to the markets. That's a great example. Um, and uh, I, I love that. Uh, Marcelo, last question for you, uh, you know, again, for people who are looking to learn more about renewable energy and climate tech uh, in Latin America um, or looking for opportunities to collaborate uh, with you, uh, where can they learn more about your company and uh, what you do right now? You know, I'd love to speak with anybody that might be interested in Latin America. I always learn a lot from conversations that I have with former colleagues that are working in other countries, you know, and new people that I constantly meet in conferences. So um, they can check uh, our website, you know, eternum.ar. Uh, and they can write to me at marcelo.lando at eternum.r whenever they want. Marcelo, thank you so much for spending time today on Understory Podcast. We learned so much and uh, 
we look to uh, having you back at some time and talk more about renewable energy and renewable energy in Latin America. That will be wonderful, JJ. Thank you for the invitation and a pleasure to be here with you and your audience.